0: It's always good to be back with you at First Free Will in Pearl. I um, Can't think of a better way to start a new year than to be in God's house worshiping him. I, I saw a preacher friend of mine tweeted yesterday that 2020, or the, the decision to go to church in 2023 is made in 2022 and that was true yesterday so I'm glad y'all made the plan to get up after ringing in a new year because I know all of you stayed up till at least midnight right so um, when I was here last back in November I had a nine point message you remember that right And um, I don't have a nine-point message today. I only have four points today. But those of you um, that have been here for a while know that it doesn't matter if I have two points or nine points, it's about the same length of a sermon. But I promise you, this will be the shortest sermon I have preached this year. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke has three parables in chapter 15. And in Luke 15, he's speaking in response to the Pharisees and the scribes. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. He's drawing this crowd of people in Galilee, and it is not good church folks. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes don't like it. Verse 2 says, The Pharisees and scribes murmured, murmured. Don't you like that word? This is the kind of talking that is going on real low. Jesus isn't close enough to them most likely to be hearing it, but he knows what's going on. Don't you love it in the Bible when it says that somebody thought something and Jesus responded to what they thought? Everything we know, everything we think is evident to our Savior. Their complaint is, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lost one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And then Jesus went on to tell the parable of the prodigal son. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, we thank you that there is a heaven. We thank you that heaven is a place of rejoicing. We thank you that we have a Savior who makes heaven possible. Lord, we know how important it is for us to know Jesus as Savior. We know how important His death on the cross and his resurrection are for each one of us. Father, help us never to take it for granted. Father, as we focus on you this morning, as we focus on your word, help us to hear exactly what you want to say to us. Lord, you have each one of us here for a very important reason, a reason that could make all the difference in what 2023 is in our lives, in the lives of our families in the lives of our co-workers, in the lives of our friends. We pray, Father, that you will do something in our lives this morning, in every one of our lives, from the youngest to the oldest, that you would do something in our lives this morning that would make us more like you and that would make a difference, not just in 2023, but in all of eternity. Speak to us now, Father, we pray, in the wonderful and the holy name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to know, I struggled this week because as I kept thinking about what it was and praying about what it was that God wanted me to preach about, the only thing that felt right was to talk about seeking the lost. And I I resisted that, and I resisted it for a couple reasons. One is, it just didn't feel like, to me, what a New Year's message ought to be. And then the other reason is, I've preached here a lot, and it probably seems like a lot more to you than it does to me, but I've, I've preached a lot, and as I've preached here, You've heard me over and over and over preach about seeking to save the lost. And I just thought, Lord, I think they probably heard everything that I've got to say about that. And you know the wonderful soul winner's prayer that I came across years ago that I've shared with you more than a few times, Lord, help me be a nobody that will tell everybody about the somebody who can save anybody. What a simple but powerful prayer. Lord, help me be a nobody who will tell everybody about the somebody who can save anybody. And so, yesterday morning, I got up and was having a normal Saturday. And what some of y'all don't know about me is that I'm an Alabama fan. I have been an Alabama fan since I was a little boy. I grew up in Pascagoula. We had mobile TV stations. I grew up watching the Bear Bryant show every weekend. And I just, I was... I was blessed to be born into a Christian home, and I was blessed to be born where I was exposed to a lot of Alabama football and have had the great blessing of being an Alabama fan my entire life. And as much as it is possible, I schedule my Saturdays in the fall around whatever time that Alabama game is on. Now, I've missed some important games for weddings, and funerals, and things like that. By the way, ladies, you young folks, when you get married, don't get married on a Saturday in the fall during football season. Some people would tell you don't get married during deer hunting season, but it's really any time from the 1st of September to December that you don't want to get married. I would love for you to have a New Year's Eve Well, no, that doesn't work either. There are plenty of Saturdays when you can get married. But my Saturdays, when Alabama's playing, are important to me. My family knows that. They schedule around it. And yesterday, Alabama played at 11 a.m. They don't usually play that early. And so I had just sat down to watch the game. I think there had been maybe three plays, and my daughter walked out. She was going to work at Chick-fil-A, and I had told her that she could take my car. Well, I realized I needed to get her the key. We only have one key to this car. When we bought it as a used car, that was all they had. So I went in the bedroom, and the key was not on my nightstand where it always is. And so I thought, well, maybe Guanya has already gotten it. And so I went out and asked her, and she didn't have it. And I started looking everywhere for that key as the game continues to be played. And I thought, well, maybe when I got home from the office on Friday... Maybe I took it with me when I went walking. I had walked a few miles in my neighborhood, and I thought, maybe it's still in those pants. Well, I had just washed those pants that morning. Y'all didn't know I did laundry, but I had just washed those pants that morning, so I'd already gotten them out of the washing machine. They were hanging up to dry, and I looked... It wasn't in those pants, and I couldn't figure out what to do. Guanya ended up having to leave. She went to Chick-fil-A in the truck, my old truck that she normally drives, and I'm thinking, can I justify continuing to look for my keys in about three hours? And I thought, no, I can't do that. I need to find those keys, especially since there's only the one set of keys, There were going to be all kinds of complications if I couldn't find those keys. I got Kristen started searching. We were looking everywhere, and I was pretty confident at that point that I knew what had happened. That on my walk, that just over three-mile walk that I had taken through my neighborhood, that they had fallen out somewhere. And the only thing that I could think to do was to retrace my steps. So I started doing that, walking through the neighborhood with my head down, looking everywhere, trying to find those keys. And Kristen sent me a text and said, are these them? And I looked with my hopes up, as you would imagine, and no, those weren't the keys. Those were for an old Toyota that we had. So she kept looking. And I think I had walked just over a mile, my head down, the whole time when Kristen sent me a text. She had found the keys. They were in the jeans that I had worn that day, which also got washed that morning. So now I have some clean car keys. And so I come back into the house and after I'd walked you know about a half mile to get back to my house and then I get ready I take my shoes off I had paused the tv I turned the tv on I sat down in my recliner comfortable and ready to watch and you know the whole time I'd been out walking I kept thinking about the parable that I just read and thinking, God, are you trying to get my attention this morning? So I sit down and Kristen asked me, has the mail come yet? And I said, well, I saw her in the neighborhood while I was doing my fun little walk, but I don't think she's come to our house yet. Kristen had some mail to put in the mailbox, so she opens the front door Then, next thing I know, our Australian shepherd has gotten under Kristen's legs and has gone out the door. And in a moment of of great Christian charity and love, I said, It's your fault. You get her. And then... Now, you got to know, this dog, this dog does what shepherds do. This dog is going to herd whatever she's around. And this dog is deaf, and her eyesight's not the best, so she gets a little bit temperamental. And so when she's around strangers, we have to take it pretty easy and give her a little time. Anything that catches her by surprise is not going to be good. And as I'm watching the next play of the game, Kristen says, the neighbor's dog is in the yard. Well, I know what that dog is. That dog is an obnoxious little yap dog. I didn't say lap dog. I said yap dog. That is a dog that just yaps all the time. It is constantly, whether it's inside or outside, if I walk by the house, it's going to be yapping. And that... I'm sure it's a wonderful, loving dog, by the way. But I just thought, that dog and my dog is not a good combination. So I put my shoes back on, and I run out in the front yard. And normally, that Australian Shepherd is quick to come. She's deaf, so you can't holler at her. But normally, you can use hand signals, and she will come. She is literally about three feet from the neighbor's dog. And she's got that look on her face like she is ready for some action. She's ready to herd this little dog. And so I run over there. I really do run. Um, I run over there, and I think it's going to be okay because that dog is happy to see me. But then she realizes, I don't look happy. And so she takes off. And she runs into the woods. Now, I, did, I didn't put my shoes back on at that point. I think I may have said I did, but I didn't yet. I was out there in my bare feet. And it gets to the point where she's gone into the woods behind our house. And so I have to go inside and get my shoes. And so then I go through the neighborhood trying to see where she's gone and I don't see her anywhere. So I circle around and I think it takes me about 10 minutes and I've already been texting Kristen and telling her, you need to get in the car and look for her because I don't know where that dog is. Then I make a circle and I'm back at the end of my street and I see her. She's in our front yard about Three feet from the front door. And I texted Kristen and I said, She's at the front door, open the front door and don't let the other two dogs out. But Kristen was busy getting dressed, so she didn't see that text. And I get down there where the dog is. And as I see the dog, she starts to come up to me. And of course, the neighbor's dog is still outside and the neighbor's dog is barking. And the neighbor's dog gets Gia's attention. And so Gia runs back over to the neighbor's dog. And I finally grab Gia. And, you know, in, in the parable of the lost sheep, the shepherd picks up that sheep. And he, what they'll do is they'll put the sheep over their shoulders and hold their legs. So that's how they would carry the sheep. And I thought, because I'm thinking about these parables that whole time. And I'm thinking, okay, this is where it's going to be a little different because she didn't have a collar, she didn't have a leash or anything, so I didn't pick her up and put her on my shoulders. Maybe I should have. Maybe that would have made for better preaching today, but I didn't do that, but I did pick her up, and I'm carrying this 55-pound dog who's squirming like crazy into my house. And You know what my wife said to me? As I walked through the door carrying this dog, she says, you've got hair all over your pants. The things that wives say, I don't know. And I said, yes, because, you know, that Australian shepherd has kind of long hair and it's kind of wet and it's dirty and so... I changed out of those pants that I was on, that I was wearing, and then I sat down in my recliner again. And you know what my thought was? Two things. One is, okay, I've got the keys back, I've got the dog back, but there's three parables in Luke 15. I'm not going to get out of my chair I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to hide so that there's not a third experience for me this morning. And thankfully, there was not a third experience, and Alabama went on to win. Um, But my other thought was, Lord, you really don't have to go to that great of an effort if you want to make sure I preach what you want me to preach. What can we learn from Luke 15? What is it that God wants to teach us? When was the last time you lost something really important? In the big scheme of things, those lost keys were a bigger deal because they were my only set than the lost dog would have been. But when that lost dog was about to have a confrontation with a little bitty dog, that became pretty urgent. When we look at Luke 15, there's some urgency there. When you look at the book of Luke, the key word for the book of Luke is the word compassion. You see it all throughout the book of Luke. Jesus is showing his compassion over and over and over. If you're trying to remember where a miracle is in the Bible, they're almost always going to be in the book of Luke. Luke was a medical doctor, and he especially focuses in on those miracles that have to do with physical miracles, miracles of healing, But he gives us over and over miracles that show the power of God, the power of Christ, but also miracles that show the compassion, his ability to meet needs. And in Luke 15, what we see is Jesus saying, I am going to show compassion. There is going to be, the first thing I want us to remember about the fact of lostness and what our mission is, is the need for urgency. The situation is urgent. The parable of the lost sheep was urgent. That shepherd didn't know What danger might come to the sheep? The woman who lost her coin had an urgency about it. And then we see mostly in the parable of the prodigal son, that urgency is in the father's reaction when the son finally makes up his mind to return. And he comes home, and what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the son is going to go to the father and ask to be a servant. That is all he's going to ask for. He doesn't want to return or expect to return as a son. He just wants to return as a servant because then at least he knows he'll be taken care of. He will have food. But the father does what? The father runs to him. When the father sees him coming, the Bible says he sees him coming from a long way off and he runs to him. There's an urgency on the part of the Father to be reunited with the Son. And then in Luke 19. Luke 19 verses 1 through 10, I think, are parallel to Luke 15. In Luke 19, the Bible tells us Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Stop there. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and Zacchaeus was not somebody that the Jews would have had anything to do with. Jesus knew Zacchaeus. He knew his heart. And he knew that Zacchaeus was hungry for a relationship with him. So what happened? I remember as a child hearing this story, and I always pictured it as Jesus surrounded by a bunch of people, and then Zacchaeus, on the edge of that crowd, gets up in a tree where he can see. What actually happened was Jesus was doing what, teachers of that day often did, they would have a crowd around them, and as they traveled, they would be walking and teaching. And so Jesus is walking and he's teaching. And as he gets close to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus has tried to be around him. Zacchaeus has wanted to see him. Zacchaeus has wanted to hear him. And he's not been able to. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree. He runs ahead of them and climbs up into a tree. And when he's in the tree, what he's hoping for is that Jesus will walk by and that Jesus will be close enough to him as he's up in that tree that he can see this Jesus that he's heard so much about and he can hear what he has to say. He doesn't expect Jesus to stop. But what happens? Jesus stops and he calls Zacchaeus by name. And then what does he say? He says, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. He tells Zacchaeus, hurry up. Get down from there. I'm going to your house. And this man that just wanted a glimpse of Jesus is now about to be able to have fellowship with Jesus. He is about to have salvation come to his house. And what does the Bible say in verse 6? The Bible says that Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him, how? Joyfully. Zacchaeus didn't say, let me check with my wife and make sure we can have company right now. Zacchaeus didn't say, I don't think the house is going to be clean. Zacchaeus may have worried that his wife wasn't going to be happy with him, but... Zacchaeus made haste, came down, and abided at his house with Jesus. There's an urgency in the life of Jesus, there's an urgency about the lost. Do we have that same urgency? Our mission is an urgent mission. And our mission is an unlimited mission. What do I mean by that? There are no time limits. How long do we keep reaching out? How long do we keep sharing the gospel? How long do we keep praying for the lost? How long do we keep loving people that need to know Christ? As long as it takes. Yesterday, I came across something about William Carey. And I always like it when I find stuff out about William Carey that I didn't know William Carey, I like that because I went to school at William Carey, but um, William Carey was one of the first modern-day missionaries. He went to India. And I learned yesterday that yesterday was the anniversary of the baptism of the first person that was ever converted as a result of the mission work of William Carey. The first person that he baptized, he baptized on December 31st, 1800. Now, here's what's important about that. How long at that time had William Carey been in India, translating the Bible, learning the language so he could? Ministering, preaching, witnessing. He had been there for seven years. Seven years in a place far different from the England that he was accustomed to. Seven years without the single first convert. How long did the father wait for the prodigal son? There was never a point where that father said, it's been too long. Our responsibility to share the gospel is our responsibility until when? Till we die or Jesus comes. And you know what's even good about that is? Our mission to reach the lost is a mission where we're proclaiming the gospel, but it's also a mission where, with broken hearts, we are praying for lost people to be saved. And there's a catch to what I just told you. Because I said, our responsibility goes until we die or Jesus comes again. But did you know that what you pray and what you proclaim carries on even after you die? That's how powerful our prayers are. There may be that lost person that you've witnessed to or that you've prayed for, and you wonder, they're never coming to Christ. But then what happens? You die. And your words and your prayers live on. And that person comes to know Jesus. Our responsibility has no limits when it comes to time. It has no limits when it comes to distance. The, the son, the prodigal son, went a far way off. You know, yesterday... I was pretty convinced that my keys were somewhere on the ground in my neighborhood, somewhere in that three-mile path. I knew they weren't in Pearl. I knew that they, they weren't in Alabama. There were limits to where I needed to walk. My wife's advice was to get in the car and look, and I thought, I'm not going to find them if I'm in my car. So I walked, covering the paths that I knew I needed to look. But how does that work for us when we talk about reaching the lost? There's never going to be a person that you cross paths with that doesn't need to hear the gospel. There's never going to be a person that you encounter that doesn't need to know the love of Christ. There's never going to be a person that we encounter that doesn't need to be prayed for. There's no limits to the mission that we have. And then, we're not going to take a long time on this one, but I want you to really think about it. And even after we finish today and you're at home, I want you to think about it. Our mission is urgent. Our mission is unlimited. Our mission should be uninhibited. Uninhibited. What do I mean by that? Our mission should be one where we're not going to have any inhibitions, any reservations, anything that we're concerned about that would keep us from doing what we need to do to seek those who are lost. You know, yesterday, I just had on some sleep pants when I was planning to watch the game. And I had just washed four pairs of my pants. And so when I ran into the bedroom to put on some different pants so that I could go on this fun little walk I was about to take, I pulled out a pair of pants that I got for Christmas. They still had their tags on them. So I jerked the tags off of them, threw the pants on real fast, ran out the door. And so as... I get home after Kristen had found the keys, she's looking at me and she sees that I have on those new pants and she said, Jeff, you've still got a tag on your pants. There was this, you know, those long stickers that go down the side of the leg, that was still on there. And I thought, I'd didn't care and I still don't care. You know, there is a really bad kind of I don't care and there is a really good kind of I don't care. The really good kind of I don't care is when we say I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to pray for people. I am going to do whatever it takes. Because friends, the reality is there are people in hell today because Christians were more concerned about what other people would think than about proclaiming the gospel. What keeps us from proclaiming the truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven? I was thinking yesterday, when we get to heaven, there's going to be some people that we see and we're going to be surprised to see them. Maybe that person that we worked with for several years and we just didn't really like him. We thought about inviting them to church, but we thought, I see them five days a week. I really don't want to see them when I go to church. I mean, you've thought that, hadn't you? Or are you more spiritual than me? So, that person's going to be in heaven. And I wonder, you know, our memories are going to be different in heaven but i wonder if there's going to be a situation where that person that we never shared the gospel with that we see in heaven is going to say you know i didn't get saved until you went to a different job i didn't get saved until later on or you know maybe they're going to say I knew that you were a Christian. You talked about it. You went to church all the time. But you never invited me to go. But boy, am I glad that my cousin invited me. I'm glad that my neighbor invited me. Are we more concerned about what people think than we are about sharing the gospel Are we more concerned about this earth or about heaven? Our mission is urgent. Our mission is unlimited, and our mission must be uninhibited. But dear friend, this last point is the point that we cannot escape. Our mission is unavoidable. Why? At the end of Luke 19, I'm sorry, the end of the Zacchaeus part of Luke 19, Jesus tells Zacchaeus in verse 9, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. And listen to verse 10. I want you to remember verse 10 all throughout 2023. For the Son of Man. Who's that? That's Jesus. That was a term from the Old Testament to refer to the Messiah, a term to refer to the Christ who was going to come. So Jesus is talking about himself. The Son of Man is come To seek and to save that which is lost. That is the mission of Christ. Jesus told us in his own words, I am here to seek those who are lost. I am like the lady looking for the lost coin. I'm like the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. I am like the father dying on the inside until his son comes home and is restored. And Jesus Jesus wants us to understand if that is his mission it is also our mission. When Jesus called his disciples he said come follow me. Follow him means to walk the way he walked. A constant mission to seek the lost. Why? Because there is a somebody who can save anybody. Let's stand for prayer. I want to ask you to take a few moments and to look into your own heart. Do you know that you're saved? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to be your Lord? If not... What Jesus wants you to know right now is if you were the only person who needed a Savior, He would have come, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross so that you could be saved. Don't leave here without trusting Him. Don't leave here, here without giving Him control of your life. If you know you're a Christian, if your life has been dramatically changed because you met the one who came to seek and to save the lost, are you fulfilling your mission? Is your life marked by prayer for the lost? Is your life marked by love for the lost? Is your heart broken for those who are lost? If not, let today, the first day of 2023, be a day that you say, Lord, from now on, every day of this year and every day of the rest of my life till Christ comes again, I want to learn to love you more and to love the lost more. Use me, Father, to reach the lost. Speak to our hearts, Father. May this not just be about having come to church, having done what we're supposed to do on Sunday, but may it be about our lives being changed. May God, may you have your way Father, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love and his heart. We thank you for his perfection. We thank you for your grace. May Christ be glorified in what we do right now and in every day of the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing hymn number...